Welcome to the Heart of Acadian, where we present news, stories, and information that further Acadian Company's mission of protecting and saving lives. We're joined today by Acadian's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Chuck Burnell. Dr. Burnell, talk to, talk to us a little bit about your, your background. So my background, board certified emergency medicine. I was a private ER doc for a number of years where I was the director of Lourdes Hospital Emergency Department and came on to Acadian almost 11 years ago where I've been medical director and of specifically over Louisiana and over Tennessee, but the chief medical officer of the entire company, all the different divisions, so be ground ambulance, air, SMS, oversee safety for the company, um, but basically have a frontline role in all the ground ops uh, stuff, the offshore and whatnot, but uh, oversee Dr. Kidd in Texas, Dr. Bell in Mississippi, and then I oversee Texas directly, and Dr. Rosemary St. Clair is our critical care medical director at Alts also helps us cover calls from time to time. Excellent. You're here today to talk to us about the COVID vaccine. Uh, I know you were the very first Acadian employee to receive the vaccine back in December, really to, to lead from the top, to uh, show your confidence in the vaccine. Right. So I'm fortunate enough to be involved with a group called the Eagles Group, which is the largest EMS systems in the world. And this is an international call that we meet every week. We were meeting daily for a long time. But we met weekly, uh, we meet every Tuesday for almost an hour and a half to two hours. And the fortunate part of this is I'm able to visit with uh, clinicians and physicians that are everywhere from EMS systems. We do some in Asia, some in a uh, lot in Europe. We have New Zealand, Australia. We have uh, some in, from South America, all over North America, all the large systems such as you know, every major city that you can think of. And I'm invited in that group simply because we're such, such a large company. Uh, the other thing is we bring in guest speakers to this meeting, uh, people that work with the CDC, people that work with, you know, departments of health and whatnot, and also the, the European versions of these people with World Health Organization and whatnot, and we're able to really um, get a, more than a glimpse of what is going on with the research, with the literature, and how these vaccines are being developed and how they're faring in other portions of the world. Um, the good or bad part of this thing is there are other countries in the world that are going to have visibility and exposure to these uh, COVID-19 types of variants and infections long before us. The concern is, and, and that gives us a snapshot of what to prepare for. So part of the development of the vaccine was really important to watch and see, get this thing tested early and see how the response as far as immunization and true immunity was going to this because as we all know, this vaccine came to existence very rapidly. A lot mm -hmm. of people had some apprehension about that. Uh, and I'll tell you, the confidence that I have in the vaccine is principally because I was part of that development formulation, realizing the side effect profiles and whatnot. And the, the big thing that we're seeing now is this prolonged immunity with the vaccine as opposed to actually catching COVID infection. And when your antibody levels and all the immune fighting complexes are produced as a result of the vaccine, we know that it gives a much, much more prolonged immunity than just receiving the infection. I get a lot of questions on this. Um, one of the things that is paramount to understand about this thing, and, and I get a lot of questions from employees, non-employees about how safe is this thing? Right. So it, I, I, just as a short and quick, uh, my 12-year-old daughter, since Monday, they had the emergency use authorization approval for the Pfizer vaccine. My 12-year-old daughter will be getting the vaccine as soon as I can get her signed up to do that. So hopefully within the next week or two. Um, and, and the reason I'm doing that, the largest proportion now of individuals that are 
getting COVID infections is a 12 to 17 year old population. Goodness. It's a pediatric population and the young adolescent population, which most of them fare much better than adults. The problem becomes from spreading the disease to older individuals. And just because we're vaccinated, it gives us a great, great level of protection. It does not completely alleviate the disease. And it's kind of like a flu shot. You know, you can get the flu shot and still get, uh, catch the flu, but the disease severity is usually much, much lower when you receive the vaccine, flu vaccine. And that's what we're trying to get across with this um, COVID vaccine. The other scary part of this is that the COVID vaccine, I mean, excuse me, the COVID infection actually does what you hear about the long hauler syndrome mm -hmm. or COVID long syndrome. There's a few different names for it. And I've personally dealt with, it's probably not in the hundreds, it's probably less than 100 individuals that have dealt with these things. They have the neurologic symptoms, they have the prolonged respiratory symptoms. Uh, I've had a couple individuals that have been on lung transplant lists. Most of these individuals are not the people you would expect. They're not the multi-comorbid conditions. These are fairly what I call healthy people, maybe midlife, you know, 40, 50 year old individuals who still to this day are struggling, maybe a fraction of their lung capacity. The other thing that's really weird about this is all the neurologic symptoms that we're seeing. You know, the repetitive loss of taste and smell, and now we're starting to see that in a pediatric population, and we really have no idea what's gonna happen with that pediatric population. So, obviously some people are apprehensive about getting the vaccine, whether they don't like vaccines in general, whether they're concerned about this one specifically, but if you had to compare the, the risks of getting the vaccine versus as the, the known effects now of COVID and then the unknown long-term effects that we're still learning about? It's a factor of multiple thousands, okay? So when we look at the way this vaccine was rolled out and studied, and it's, first off, it's the most studied vaccine ever to be rolled out. It has the lowest side effect profile of any vaccine ever rolled out. Right. Um, you know, when we look at smallpox, diphtheria, polio, these types of vaccines have a complication rate or a side effect rate that is multifold higher than the COVID vaccine. And when you look at the risk of long COVID syndrome, of catching the infection, uh, the, it, it's kind of like a Russian roulette or like gambling. What person is actually gonna get the symptoms? They're learning some certain genetic markers, but when I look at the risk of that actually receiving the COVID which, uh, and, and having side effects, which is infinitesimally small versus the risk of receiving the actual infection and worrying about those side effects coming up, we're talking multiple thousands of multiple difference between those two syndromes. Um, so post-vaccination syndrome versus post-infection syndrome is night and day. And I, you know, so to put it on a scale, that, that's the hardest part to communicate to people is to say, look, you know, they say, I'm worried about the vaccine. And I had a friend that survived the infection. Well, most people will survive the infection, especially if they're young. The problem is this long hauler syndrome, the problem is infection of elderly you know, family members or even other family and now, members. And now kids. Well, and the large unpredictable nature of COVID infections. The other thing that we're seeing now is the variants coming out. So when a COVID, inf a COVID vaccine protects you not only against that specific COVID that we're dealing with right now, there's now the Brazilian variant, there's the UK variant, and then there's some variants off of those that we're watching very closely. And on the call Tuesday, uh, we were dealing with a, a, a researcher at John, Johns Hopkins. We were asking about the, the, the virus currently in India. So there are three strains, mutant strains identified with that. They think are spinoffs to the Brazilian variant. 
those are much more infectious, much more contagious, and much more deadly. So getting the vaccine we know confers a good immunity, not just against the specific COVID that we're dealing with here in the U.S., but also against the Brazilian variant and the U.K. variant. Though it's not 100% against those, or even 98%, which is the quoted number, 95 to 98 with Mm -hmm. the uh, Moderna and um, uh, Pfizer vaccines, it's not that high, but it does. Think about it this way. Your your body has been primed. It has been armed with all these uh, immune-competent cells that don't just have a specific attack against COVID. They also create a lot of antiviral compounds that prevent other mutant strains and other variants from coming in and affecting you, or they lessen that effect. It's kind of the same reason we didn't have a flu syndrome this year. Like, um, you never heard hardly anything about flu this year, and that's due to a a concept called viral interference. The COVID was here. A lot of people got infected or exposed to it. They built up um, these immune complexes. Flu came in, and guess what? All these antiviral complexes were in the body. Even though they weren't specific to flu, they disallowed the flu from getting in the population. It's the same thing that happened early in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere while we were wondering, Australia had no flu cases hardly. Hmm. Same thing happened in the U.S. Those two viruses interfered with one another. The COVID came in, created an immune response which protected the body against not just COVID but also the flu. I wanted to ask you about the science behind it because I heard you explain to some medics not long ago that it's some vaccines, and correct me if I'm wrong, they put a little bit of the, of the virus in you so your body will build the antibodies. This one's different. So you're, you're not getting the COVID uh, virus with the... First off, yeah, so, so... With the inoculation. I think I know what you're asking. Yeah. So <laughs> first off, uh, the big fear of somehow incorporating this RNA, this little strain of RNA, into your body as a piece of DNA and altering your genome or your genetics. That's right. impossible. The way that... The, <laughs> And I get a lot of questions about this, sure. but the, the, the change out, which, and I've seen videos on YouTube, and I've seen physicians on these videos on YouTube, that when you do the research on these physicians, I don't know how to say this, but a lot of them make a lot of money off of this sensationalism, mm-hmm. and they're dead wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is hard when you have someone with an MD title on a YouTube video, they sound credible, sure. when in fact they're not. So the way that this works with the mRNA specifically is that little strand goes into your body. Your cells that, that, that reproduce DNA in your body from a strand of RNA, RNA is like the house plants, okay? The cells come in in the mitochondria. That little strand is copied like a house plan would be. Then you have the contractors come in. I'm related to building I, a house. I like it. And they build the DNA or the structure of the house up, okay? They only build a little bitty piece of that viral particle, not enough to cause an infection. It's just a little piece, but it's the most pertinent pieces it's the critical piece of those viruses that cause them to get into our bodies and cause the infection. So what we're doing, if we had someone that was using a hand to break into a, your new house that you're building, it basically cuts off their hand and doesn't allow them to open the door. And can you get there? And that's, so is that it, why it covers the variant so well? Yes. So what it does is it starts on the very front end of the entry of the, the virus into your body, and it disables it from the very beginning. Never allows it to get even a slight foothold. And when you look at the actual infection, it just doesn't have that specific of a response because your body sees a whole viral molecule. It's got, you know, the the capsule proteins, it's got the the body proteins, it's got all these different pieces and parts that you're building antibodies to, but it's kind of a shotgun approach the way your body defends against that. When we give it a specific task, and now you do have some general immune response like I was talking about, but when you give it a specific task to actually attack one of those little capsular proteins, 
it does it very, very well. It stays focused, okay? So the degree that it attacks is very severe, and that's why the vaccine has such a long-lasting, prolonged, and very specific effect as opposed to more general, you know, when you actually get the infection from COVID. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as long-lasting, it's not quite as specific, and it's just not, it's like shooting someone from 50 yards away, with, or, you know, if you're in battle, with a shotgun versus a rifle. Mm -hmm. You've got laser-like precision with the vaccine, whereas you have more of a shotgun approach with the, with the actual infection. Is there any concerns, uh, pregnant women, any, any population you think should be concerned, or would you encourage everyone to, to get the vaccine? So we have had a number of employees either that are pregnant or trying to get pregnant, and I've, been, I've done a lot of due diligence, and I've talked with people that are, that are actually doing the studies, which is pretty interesting to be able to do that. And the safety profile on those has already been authorized by CDC for pregnant women. And the reason that it's authorized is because if you're pregnant and you get a COVID infection, the effects to mother and baby are, can be de very, very devastating. Mm -hmm. The risk of that inf of, of vaccine is, again, infinitesimally small. We're talking one in the multi-millions of range of having any significant reaction. You know, we hear a lot about these clot syndromes that happen. And we, we, with, with COVID and with the COVID vaccine, more prominent with COVID than it is with vaccine, okay? And that's another kind of uh, myth that, you know, people say, well, if I get the shot, then, you know, I'll get these clots. If you get the infection, there's a super high risk of getting the clots. And there's two ways to look at that. One is it gets clots. The other one, it consumes up all your clotting factors and it causes you to free bleed. That's why we don't treat them with heparin anymore. It used to be you, everybody got on blood thinners the second they hit the hospital with COVID. Well, guess what? People were having head bleeds, GI bleeds, all these issues, and it was not helping the patients. So they've backed off from that approach for right now, except in some individuals. So your advice to anyone listening would be get the vaccine. The vaccine is safe. It is, in my opinion, and opinion of a lot of very smart people, the absolute right thing to do if you don't want to end up with long-term symptoms, you don't want to infect your family members or loved ones. And I hate to say it this way, but maybe even to protect you from your own children, which we know is the most growing pool. And the other reason is this, these variants are coming up. I would rather have something in my defense Although it might not be the most specific thing, we know that it protects against these variants in varying degrees, but I would rather have something in my arsenal to help protect me and my family than nothing. And even if you get the infection, think about that, you're getting just a fraction of the protection that you would get with the vaccine. And you're at much higher risk of all the bad stuff that happens. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for that information. Very vital. All we right. Thank you time. for the questions. And if anybody has any questions, I'm way too easy to get in touch with. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to The Heart of Acadian. If you have any ideas for topics you would like included in future episodes, please email podcast at acadian.com. For more information about our company, please visit acadian.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram.